Hey, I want to jump in this morning because we have a little bit, a little bit less time. I just want to share for about 20 minutes uh, from week two of our, of our series, Hope Has a Name. I want to share specifically from a message entitled, It's Not What I Expected. It's Not What I Expected. So if you're taking notes and you're kind of a type A personality, I'm giving you the, I'm giving you the title right off the bat so you can write that down. It's Not What I Expected. But I want to begin by reading in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke, by nature, is actually a physician and consequently kind of gives us some, some insight and some details as it relates to the, to the birth and the story of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 26 of Luke 1, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. I want us to remember that for just a moment. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at these words, as you and I would be too. An angel just appeared, and she's thinking, what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You've actually found favor with God. Now think about that just for just a moment. The angel shows up. Let's not just hear this story as though it's the 29th time that we've heard the Christmas story, but... Think with me for just a moment, if this is you, you are Mary, and you're there, or you're Mary's dad, and somehow you get to kind of peek into Mary's life here for a moment, and an angel just appeared to you and tells you that you're going to have a baby, and yet you're a virgin. Okay? You, you, you following with me here? And the, and the angel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I love Mary's response here. You've got you to appreciate the honesty of the scriptures as we place ourselves into the story. Mary says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. She's like, according to fifth grade anatomy class, this is impossible here. And the angel replied, I said, like, oh, don't worry. The Holy Spirit, he's going to come on you. Tell me that this story isn't weird. Okay? The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, your cousin, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was the one who was said to be unable to conceive. She's actually now in her sixth month. I love this. I love what the angel concludes here as he finishes out his conversation with Mary in verse, in verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. No matter how strange it may seem, no matter how bizarre or twilight zone-ish it may appear to be. I love what the angel says here. This is a word for, for some of you in here today. We've got to lean into this even in this moment. For no word from God, no promise from God. No vision from God, no dream that God birthed in your heart, no word from God will ever fail. And listen to Mary's reply. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. I want to share today from this, this message once again. It's not, what, it's not what I expected. It's not what I expected. Let's pray one more time this morning as we ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to our hearts and here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity that we have to gather together and we are asking that you, God, would speak to us through your spirit, that you would make up the distance 
once again this morning between what I've prepared to say and what you want to speak into the hearts and the lives and the minds of every single person, including our children, back in Ethos Kids on this morning. And Father, we are thanking you for the generosity of this church. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of a church that really wants to just, we, we want to make a difference. Father, continue to lead us and guide us as it relates to how we can best make a difference for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, thank you for the Buckeyes. Amen. Amen. Um, ha have, you ever, have you ever experienced an unexpected event in your life before? Can I see your hands? Anybody ever before? Okay, Th that's most of you. And if you weren't raising your hands, it's because you were too tired and it was a late night last night. I understand. But, but we've all experienced the unexpected one time or another. I remember when I was, when I was, uh, it, was 19, it was 1994 and I was on vacation with my, with my family in Florida. And we would often in the wintertime go and visit my grandparents who were, who were snowbirds. Is that the right word? Snowbirds? Snowbirds, right? I was about to say snow owls, but that's not a thing, is it? That's not a thing. No, snowbirds. And they, they would go to Florida, and they, they had a home there in, in Sarasota. And, and at this time, in, in 1994, um, Sarasota was also the home of the Chicago White Sox spring training camp. Now, if you can, if you can kind of remember this, 1994 was a significant year for the Chicago White Sox. Y'all remember why? My, Michael Jordan was playing. That was the year that Michael Jordan was playing or was trying to play for the, for the Chicago White Sox. And, and so we went with the expectation that we would see Michael Jordan and be able to get his autograph. Maybe even, maybe even you know, catch a picture with him. And so, so we're there, and sure enough, true story, we, we were all the way, I mean, they have just dozens of fields, and we're all the way kind of in the back corner of the, of the Chicago White Sox training camp, and we see Michael Jordan taking batting practice. And there's, there's only about a dozen to 15 people max who are there with us watching Michael Jordan take batting practice with the Chicago White Sox. And so we're just, we're watching this. I mean, at this time, I am in fourth grade, and, and so I'm like, I just cannot wait, like, to, to get Michael Jordan's autograph. And, and he exits, and he begins to kind of be dismissed from batting practice, and he begins to kind of make his way back to the main field. And as he's walking, as he's walking by us, he's, he's no more than maybe 20 to 25, 30 feet in front of us. And, and, and myself, as well as a grandfather who was with his grandson, to the left of me, we started yelling at, at Michael Jordan. We said, Mr. Jordan, can we please have your autograph? Can, Michael, can we please have your autograph? And he never makes eye contact with us, never looks at us until we just continue to persist. And, and eventually he looks in our direction and he says, I don't have time for you. Now when you're in fourth grade and your idol tells you you don't have time for you, you don't like that person ever again. I grew up wishing that the Chicago Bulls would lose every single game. And now it's happening. Thank you very much. But, but now, now, now contrast that, though, for just a moment to later on in the afternoon, the exact same day, we're still hanging out. We go to a different field, and Frank Thomas, a.k.a. the Big Hurt. I don't know how many of you remember Frank Thomas, but he was taking batting practice. He's in the Hall of Fame now, and he was my favorite baseball player at the time. And so we're catching some fly balls that are going out over the fence. And eventually we kind of come back to behind the dugout. And Frank Thomas begins to leave batting practice. And, and we started yelling at Frank Thomas, can we please have your autograph? But with Frank Thomas, there's about 500 or more people just lined up. Because he was like their superstar at the time. And, and eventually though, Frank Thomas begins to make his way down the line, to which we were about halfway. 
makes his way down the line giving everybody his autograph. And, and by the time he gets to us, I, I was kind of a pretty bold little kid. And I, and I said, Mr. Thomas, sir. You know, like I was in fourth grade. And so I, I was like, can, I, can, I, can we get a picture with you? And he says, sure thing. In fact, I've got a picture. When I was in fourth grade, there's me, my sister, and my little brother with the big hurt. And that was a good day. That was a good, now he's on Gold Bond commercials, and so it still feels pretty special. But, but. We, 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 were, we were experiencing the unexpected with, with Michael Jordan, and we also experienced the unexpected with, with Frank Thomas. One of which, though, was, was really great. The other, though, was, was, kind, of, was kind, of, kind of a painful experience in, in one sense. Because some surprises are good, other surprises are, are not so good. The, the story of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is one of many surprises. Now, the older you get, the more used to the Christmas story you become. But if we, if we can just for a moment pretend as though we are hearing this story for the very first time. If we can pretend for just a moment that, 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 we, that we are Taylor's friend that she shared about. And you've never heard the story of the birth of Jesus Christ before. His birth alone was one of great surprise. Mary, a virgin, is told by an angel that she's going to give birth to a son. Who's the father? God. What? Yeah, God. Okay, that all by itself is like... That's a surprise, right? Like, moving on, though, how do you think that Joseph felt? Joseph had to make a decision. Joseph, who was betrothed or engaged to be married to, to Mary, has to decide, do I believe Mary? Do I not believe Mary? Hey, hey Joe, uh, so I'm, 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 I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm, I'm pregnant. He's like, uh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that night. And she, she, she's like, no, it's, it's not your baby. What? Well, who, who was it? You know? It's, uh, it's, God, it's, uh, it's it was God's baby. <laughs> who, who? It's God, it was God, it was God, it was God's, God's baby. Were you out too late last night? Were you? No, I, I, this is one of great surprise. At which point Joseph has to decide, am I going to stay with her or, or am, I, am I not? Then, then the baby is born. Then Jesus is born. Where, where is he born? He's born in Bethlehem, which, by the way, if you look at a map, Bethlehem is nowhereville. No one of nobility comes from, comes from, from, from Bethlehem. And, of course, you know the story. There's, there's no rooms available. You'd think that the Messiah, the Son of God, as he steps out of heaven... That God himself would have made some preparations for Jesus to be born at the Ritz-Carlton or the closest resort at the Sea of Galilee. But no, he's born in a manger, which is a feeding trough. We think of manger like, it's so cute. Little manger scene over there on the side of the road. That's so cute. No, no, no. Scholars would tell you that the likelihood of Mary even surviving the birth of Jesus was very, very, very low. Because the place in which Mary would have given birth to Jesus would have been so unsanitary, so gross and disgusting, that the, the fact that she even survived was a miracle all by itself. 
Bethlehem is not a place where a king is supposed to be born. For the first two years of Jesus' life, King Herod is trying to kill Jesus. So Mary and Joseph are running for their lives in fear that the king is going to kill their new baby that was birthed and given to them by God. Joseph and Mary are running. All of this doesn't seem fit for the king, for the savior, for the Messiah, for God to step out of heaven on a rescue mission. This is not what they would have expected. It's not what they would have expected. And truth is, if you put yourself into the story, it's not what you would have expected either. And yet at the same time, you don't have to put yourself into the story because we've all experienced, and we can all relate to experiencing the unexpected. Things in our lives that hit us and take us by surprise. And oftentimes the, the unexpected seasons began as, as a season where we had confident expectation for something good to happen in our lives. But that hopeful season quickly, quickly turns to one of pain or frustration or disappointment or challenge. When you, when you first applied to that school of choice... You weren't expecting to get a rejection letter in return. When you first took that job, you didn't, you didn't expect that you'd be treated unfairly or unjustly or that you would be laid off or have to close the doors to your business. This is not what you, not what you would have expected. When you first started dating, you didn't expect that it would lead to a, to a broken heart. When you first got married, you didn't expect or anticipate all of the road bumps that may have come along the journey. When you, when you first had your baby, you didn't expect that at 3 o'clock in the morning, you were really wishing you could give that baby back. You didn't expect the death in your family or the report from the doctor, the friend who turned their back on you. Here, here we are, uh, 2019, and we're coming to the end of December, and, 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 and just... Consequently, coming to the end of a decade as well. And I just began to think about this this past week. We're, we're kind of closing out the 2010s. What's, what's this last decade been like for you? Has, has there been some unexpectations, some things that you weren't expecting? Maybe more specifically, think about 2019. Has it, has it always been great? Or have there been some challenges, some things that have come your way that you, you, weren't, that you weren't expecting? If, if we were to sit down and we were to have coffee together, and, and I asked you this question. When you were growing up, who was your favorite teacher? Maybe your favorite coach, whether in grade school, middle school, high school. Who was your favorite teacher? You, you might pretty quickly begin to share with me your top three or four teachers that really had an impact or or had some influencers that you just enjoyed having while you were, in, you were in school. But if I said, no, no, you can only choose one of them, you might have to respond with, well, okay, I have, another, I have a question for you, Jordan. If I can only choose one, are you asking me who was my favorite teacher, like who I had the most fun with, or who I learned, who I learned the most from? Because the seasons of our lives that are the most fun are not necessarily the most fruitful. And the seasons that we get the most out of aren't necessarily the ones that we would choose. See, we, we think that when God says he's going to do something in our lives, that it's going, to be, it's going to be easy. But don't assume that you're wrong or that you did something wrong 
simply because life becomes difficult, because people begin to question you, or because the struggle in your life really becomes, becomes pretty real. Because when you experience a moment in life that you didn't expect, you're in, you're in really good company. Think about how difficult it was, how hard it must have been for Joseph to take Mary at her word, for Mary to walk through the towns, watching as people would turn their heads and begin to whisper the rumors about whose baby it really was. Even the life of Jesus was, was, one, of continual, was one of continual letdown. We talked about the birth of Jesus. We understand that even that is not what people would have expected. How, how about just the town that he was raised in? We, we've got this, this town called Nazareth. He's born in Bethlehem, kind of raised in Nazareth. One of Jesus' best friends, one of the guys who, who was this young teenage boy who committed his life to following Jesus around everywhere, one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus Christ, he catches wind of Jesus. His buddy Philip begins to say, hey, you got to come meet this Jesus guy. I think he's the Messiah. And Nathaniel says, where's he from? He's from Nazareth. Oh, could anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel says, because again, no one of nobility, no one of stature, no one who is going to be the Messiah and bring about this greatness that was to, that, that the Jewish people thought that they were going to rise up into once again would come from Nazareth. Even Jesus' teachings were confusing. I think sometimes we think, wow, must have been amazing to sit at the feet of Jesus. They, they didn't know what he was talking about. Like when you read the gospel accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like oftentimes they were like, do you have any more free food? Can you do another miracle? That's kind of why we're here. No, I want to teach you. We don't understand what you're saying. 90% of the time, we don't know what you're saying all of the time, right? Like, like this, but, but in fact, there's, a, there's one point where it says that Jesus is teaching and he kind of goes all like vampire diaries on them. And he's like, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people are like, that's a hard thing to say. We don't understand what you mean. And it says that most of the crowd begins to desert and leave Jesus. That's not what you'd expect from someone who came to kind of make the Jewish people, make the nation of Israel great again. The Messiah, the Savior. We don't even know what, you're, what you mean by that. On, on Palm Sunday, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and he's, he's, about to, he's, a, he's about to die and be crucified on the cross here pretty shortly. And, and, he, and he, on this Sunday, he rides in on a donkey. Think about this for a moment. He doesn't ride in on a horse, which is what kings ride on. He rides in on a donkey. That, that can't be the Messiah. Jesus, he's, he's riding a donkey. This isn't, that's not what you, that's not what they had expected. And of course, the death of Jesus left everybody confused. Wait, I thought that you were going to take Rome by storm with a sword. It's the reason why Peter, when you're in the garden of Gethsemane, and the, and the people come to take Jesus prisoner, to take him take him captive, Peter takes out a sword and he begins to fight because he thought, he thought that Jesus, just like everybody else, thought that Jesus was going to take over Rome with force. It's not, it's not what they expected. And oftentimes in our lives, we can relate with the experiences of the people and the experiences that they had as it related to, to Jesus. What happens when you experience the unexpected. What emotions 
do you encounter when you experience the unexpected? I, I know what you experience because I don't have to look any further than to look in the mirror and look at what I experience. When, when you experience something that you didn't expect to experience, we, we become frustrated, disappointed, maybe hurt, offended, confused, angry, depressed, anxious. Generally speaking, when we experience the unexpected in a negative way, we don't experience positive emotions that come along with it. Now here's the challenge with that. Is that uh, psychologists would tell us that when we experience these emotions, that it leads us to one of two decisions, one of two options. It leads us to, it leads us to, to either give up, or it leads us to, to want to take control. It really depends on, really depends on your personality. For some of us, when we experience frustration, anger, hurt, disappointment, fear, anxiety, depression, because we experienced the unexpected, we oftentimes just want to give up. I'm done. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to ask for forgiveness anymore. I'm just going to throw in the towel, wave the white flag. I'm done. I give up. I've tried that before, Jordan. I don't want to try it again. I'm done. I quit. I give up. Now, for others of you, you might experience those same emotions. You're frustrated. You're angry that it didn't go your way once again. You're annoyed, maybe even offended. And so what do you do? You, you take control. You kind of dig in your heels and you, you, you type A personality and you, you say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to make this thing work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this on my own. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this thing go in the direction that I want it to go. Think about this for just a moment, that both of these options, neither of them, neither of them consult God as it relates to the disappointment that we experience when we experience the, the unexpected. Both of these options, both of them, I should say it like this, neither of these options will lead to what God wants or what you need in your life. Neither of these. Let me, let me let's think about that for just a moment. Because if you're honest, if I'm honest, if together we are, we are honest, that's what ethos is about. We, we, want, we, want to, we want to be a community where you feel, where you feel you can take off your mask and just say it like it is. And just be honest with yourself in here for a moment. We we all feel one of these two, oh, I'm, I'm done. Maybe you're in here right now and that's where you're at. I'm, I'm done. I, I've kind of given up. I'm just going through the motions now. Or you're on the other side of the table. You'd say, no, nah, I'm not done. I'm going to make this thing work. I'm going to figure this thing out. I, I understand both of these. I've, I've experienced both of these, both of these decisions, both of these actions. But for just a moment, let's... Let's lean in and listen to, what, listen to what the Apostle Paul, who's the author of about half of the newer portion of a Bible called the New Testament, listen to what he says. Because he, he gives us some insights to a third option. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, you can follow along on the screen with me. He says, he says for, I consider, for I consider the sufferings of this present time, they're not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What, what's that glory he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. What Jesus is going to do in your life, what Jesus is going to do through your life. For I consider the sufferings of this present time, 
The unexpected experiences that I'm going through right now, they're not even worth comparing when I think about Jesus. For in this hope, verse 24, we were saved. Now hope that is seen, it's not actually real hope. For who hopes what he sees? No, no, no. If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. What's Paul saying here? He's saying, look, I consider the sufferings of this present age, they are not worth comparing when I think about Jesus. But if I think about Jesus, then I have to be willing to just kind of wait in peace, in patience. Okay, God, okay. So what you're saying is, you don't want me to either give up or take control. No, no, God's saying, I... I want you to wait for it with patience. I, I, I wonder, man, you, there's so little teaching about this, but I think that the greatest and probably the most, the most underrated characteristic of faith, we're going to kick off the new year with a, with a series and a, and a collection of talks on, on faith. I think one of, the most, one of the most crucial and underrated characteristics of faith is patience. I know, and here it is, Paul says this, because I know, this is what he says in verse 28, for I know, and we know, that in all things, God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What's that word called referring to? For all of those who have placed their faith in Jesus, who are followers of Jesus Christ, for I know that God works for the good of all of those who are called according to his purpose. So what is Paul saying? He's saying you can give up or you can take control or you can choose a third option, which is to trust that in all things, God is at work in your life. It might feel like he's abandoned you because you've experienced the unexpected, but no, no, no. God is still at work in your life. It might feel like you need to take control because God isn't in control. No, 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 no. God is still at work in your life. Think about it like this for a moment. I feel like I'm revealing a magic trick here, but I'm not. If you came up here this morning and I said, okay, I said, I, I, I would like you, just individually, I just said, I, I would like you to take just a just a spoonful of some baking soda and some baking powder. Would you like to do that, please? And I, and I said it in my sweetest voice, would you please? I don't have a sweet voice. I was trying. I didn't know where I was going with that. I just said, please, take, take, some, take a bite of baking soda. If you're honest, please be honest, how many of you would say, oh, I could not wait to eat that baking soda? Can I see your hand? Yeah, okay. If, if, if you came up here today and I said, okay, okay, I know baking soda is kind of gross, but okay, I got something a little bit better for you. I've got some flour. Would, would you please just take one teaspoonful of flour? Would you do that for me, please? Would you, for, for me, as your friend, would you please? You'd be like, I mean, maybe, but like, no. You know? Okay, okay, okay. I, I get it, I get it. Would you, would you just take a bite? Just, just one, it doesn't have to be a big bite, maybe just a little bite out of this grass-fed cow's pure Irish butter unsalted. Would you, would you do that for me, please? Would you just, 
you take a bite, just one little bite, not a big deal, just a bite. You'd be like, Jordan, it just, it's getting worse, buddy, you know? Okay, 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 okay. I got one for you. I got one for you. How about just a spoonful of sugar? It makes the medicine go down. Would you do that? Now, if you're like under the age of 10, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. But the rest of us would be like, prefer not to, you know? Okay, okay, okay. It, it's, I, it's okay. I, how about, could you just get all like Sylvester Stallone on me and just take like one egg? Just eat an egg. Some of you would be like, yeah, like, like Olu in here, he, he'd be like, well, I just did biceps this morning, so yeah, I'm going to, I'll eat the egg. I'll do, I'll do the egg. But I love you, Olu, so much and your biceps. But no, nah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want it. Okay, okay, well, what about just a spoonful, just a spoonful of some, some Watkins pure vanilla extract? Maybe, but, but probably not. Yeah, we, we don't like these things individually, but, but if you came up here then and I said, okay, I said, okay. I said, well, I've, I've got some, I've got some fresh, some fresh sugar cookies. Can you take a bite of that for me, please? You'd be like, do you have cats? No, no cats. There's no hair in there, I promise. Yeah, we, you'd probably openly, willingly say, I'll, I'll take a sugar cookie. Sure, I'll take a sugar cookie. Uh, absolutely. Do you know that every single one of these ingredients was required to make the sugar cookie? God works all things together for the good of those who are called, who are following him, who are called according to his purpose, who lean into his purpose. Not our purpose, I give up, I'm done. Why do you give up? Because it's not going the way I wanted it to go. It's not going the way I had expected it to go, so I give up. That's your purpose, that's your agenda, I'm gonna take control. Why are you taking control? Because I think that I am better in control of my life than what God is in control of my life. And so I'm just going to do it my way. And I'm going to tell God, I'm done. I mean, I'll keep kind of believing in you, but I'm not really going to follow you. No, God's saying, I'm going to work. If you'll let me, if you'll let me, if you'll live long enough, I will work all things together for the good of those who are called according to my purpose. I wonder, this week I was thinking about this. I wonder how many times I miss out on God's best because I don't like God's blessing. Maybe we're calling cursed what God is saying, no, no, it's blessed. I wonder how often I miss out on God's best because I'm like, I don't like that. That's not what I was thinking. That's not how I expected this to look. And God's like, no, 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 just, just, it's good, it's good, it's good. I wonder how often I miss out on God's promise because God's provision is not what I expected. I wonder how often I miss out on certain relationships that God has put in my life because I just gave up too soon. I threw in the towel too soon on that person, on that individual. I just, I just, no, I don't want to do it. I wonder how often I miss out on divine direction from God, on God leading me exactly where he wants me to be because I'm trying to control the situation on my own. You know, the journey of planting Ethos Church, the journey of starting this thing, it is not what we had expected. You have things you think they're going to go a certain way, and they, they, they don't. And then you're kind of left this position where, are we going to give up? Which just really isn't in my 
personality at all. And so I, I'm kinda, I kind of go over here. Or am I just going to take control? I'm going to figure this thing out on my own. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it like every other church is doing it because I see it working for them. And so I'm just going to do it that way for us. Or, 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 or wait, wait, wait. No, no, Jordan. I'm doing something. I'm doing something here. I'm doing something here. Just, just trust me that even that which was meant to harm you, the enemy meant to bring evil your way. No, no, I'm, Jordan, I could, I'm a God, I'm a way maker. I'm a miracle worker. I, I'm a God of the impossible. We got to remember, church, who it is that we're serving, who it is that we look to, who it is that really is in control of the journey of our lives. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse, in chapter 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord makes firm the steps, the steps, the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he'll not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The Lord makes firm the steps. We so often want God to kind of reveal to us like the, the leap. Like, God, can we take a bigger step so I can skip the season I'm in and get to the next season even faster? And God's like, no, no, I, I have ordered your steps. Trust me with your steps. Do you know what to do today? Yeah, I do. I don't really want to do it. No, Jordan, trust me. Do it because I've ordered, I've ordered your steps. I love what he says there. Of those, the Lord makes firm. He, he makes firm. Think about the, think about the, 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 the illustration here. He makes firm the steps of those who say, God, I just, I don't give up. I don't take control. I just, I choose even on this morning, on this day, in this season, just to delight 